Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible today, we are not going to be in the book of Matthew. We are going to be in the book of Psalms. I'm going to be taking just a short break from the sermon on Matthew. Pastor Isaac will be back uh, next week to continue that. Uh, But today we're going to look at a classic psalm, Psalm chapter 23. And I love this psalm. I I, I was kind of thinking uh, ahead of time here. I kind of double booked myself this week, (laughs) if I could say that. Uh, Yesterday, uh, we got to take some youth to King City, Missouri, uh, to a youth revival, and I got the opportunity to speak there. And uh, I already give this message once, so I apologize to my wife and Maddie and Max and Charlotte uh, and Joshua because they've already heard this message Jokes and all, probably, because I write everything down, (laughs) but uh, very excited to open the word of the Lord with you. Um, This is a classic psalm, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with it, but I don't think we realize just the weight and and the glory that is in this passage. The the revival that we went to uh, yesterday, the theme was Back to the Future, is what they called it, Jesus in the Old Testament. And so that's what it was, Back to the Future. I thought that was pretty clever. I don't know about you. But Back to the Future, Jesus in the Old Testament. Because obviously, if you've been following, Christ, following the Lord for any period of time, you know that the Old Testament is just covered. Heath, can we turn my microphone down? I think we're really loud here. Thank you. Um, what's amazing is we see Jesus all over the Old Testament. And none other, and no greater place do we see him right here in King David's Psalm in chapter 23. Starting in verse 1, I want you to read this with me. It says this, and we're going to read through the entire passage here. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. That's the reading of the word today. Now before we get super in-depth into the text, I want to ask you a very simple question that I'm sure might get a lot of response in your mind. Because I'm sure we've all felt this at one time or another. I want you to think about it in your own personal lives. Maybe close your eyes if you need to. I know it may seem weird. I want you to think of a time in your life where you felt completely and utterly lost. A time in your life where you felt completely and utterly lost. Now, for myself, uh, I think about a trip that I took a couple of years ago with a group of friends to the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. Uh, There was about ten of us who went. And uh, when we got to our campgrounds, we were camping kind of uh, deep into the mountains. Uh, There was a lot of trails that kind of peeked out from where our campsite was. And uh, when we got there, we asked some of the park rangers, what are some good trails that we can go on? And uh, they named a couple near our campsite. And uh, the next morning, we got up early, and we headed to the head of one of the trails, and uh, we started walking. It was pretty early in the morning at that point. It was about 8 o'clock. And uh, as the time passed, we got to see some really beautiful sights. I don't know if you guys have ever been to the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee, but, man, it's just absolutely gorgeous. Love the sights. There were some really cool waterfalls we got to see. At one point, we were kind of up on top of the <coughs> an overlook to see, like, the whole valley below. I mean, just an absolute beautiful sight. 
And about four hours in, five hours into us walking, we get to the very end of the trail, which is just a big loop, and then you go back the way you came. And uh, we decided to take a moment, take a break. Uh, we sat and we were looking at the, our maps, we're eating some granola bars, you know, getting recharged for the, walk, the hike back. And it was so funny because my friend, one of my friends uh, was looking at the map and he said, hey guys, I think there's a trail like not that far from here, like just a couple hundred feet away that should loop us back to our campsite about, and it'd be about a mile quicker. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that seems like a pretty good idea if you've been walking for four <laughs> hours. And so he kind of led the way and all 10 of us kind of followed in his uh, footsteps. And uh, almost from the get-go, we started to realize this is probably a bad idea. <laughs> This, this, uh, this trail not only was going up in an incline, I mean, like, literally, you talk about some, like, you know, stair-steppers kind of stuff, like, at the gym. I mean, it was, like, that times 10. I mean, just, like, a complete hike. And not only that, it seemed kind of bizarre. Not that long after we start walking, we start realizing we're kind of walking away from our campsite. We're not really walking towards our campsite. And slowly, as time began to pass, about 20 minutes passed, a couple of our friends were like, I think I'm going to go back down to the original trail. I don't think I'm going to f- keep following this one. But my friend was very, very, he was absolutely certain. Don't you hate when people say that? I know for a fact this is the right trail. This is the right one, guys. So we keep following him. And as time continued to pass, more and more of my friends started dropping off. And then uh, eventually it was just me and him. And about an hour passed, we're still on this trail, and I, I don't see an end in sight. And uh, we finally, I finally talked him down, and we finally decided to head back down, and uh, we got back with our friends, and we walked out, and uh, we were in the woods all day long. It was a really, uh, it was a really neat experience, but <laughs> I think we made a mistake along the way. And I'll tell you that this mistake uh, came to our attention when we were talking to one of the park rangers the next day. He's like, hey, you know, my friend was looking at him with the map. He's saying, hey, is this the right trail that we went on? And uh, the park ranger's like, uh, did you go on that one here? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, that's not the right trail, buddy. If we go on to the next slide, the trail that we ended up on, my friends, church, let me tell you, we were on the Appalachian Trail, which if you did not know, is a trail that is 2,200 miles. It starts down in the bottom, and it kind of goes up through Tennessee. It goes all the way up to Maine, <laughs> Okay. I, he, my friend was so confident that that is exactly where we need to go. This is the trail that will take us back. Guys, this, if I would have followed my friend, we would have ended up in Maine somehow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I think actually the next slide, my friends, they took a picture of us. This was us so confidently walking forward on the Appalachian Trail saying, yeah, we'll get back to our campsite in about an hour, you know. <laughs> See, the reality is that my friend did not lead us in a way that was helpful. If we were going to make this application, right, what we're talking about today he was so confident in himself that he's going to lead us home. But yet, that wasn't the right trail, was it? See, the reality is, is that I trusted his guidance only to find myself even more lost, wishing that I just stuck to the original plan, right? The original trail, that, was, that makes way more sense than trying to follow my friend in a place that we've never been before. But there's a lesson in that for us today and what we're going to see today in Psalm chapter 23. How many of us follow these different trails both metaphorically and in reality, that lead us in places that don't add up, in darker places than we were before, in places that we never even thought we'd ever go. You know, we understand as Christians, maybe you've heard these passages before, I think about how much we go away from God's plan and follow our own plan. We follow after so many other things that are not Christ, and we find ourselves lost every single time. 
And we know that in the word of God, we know this even as Christians today, we know that in Proverbs 3, it tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. But yet, what do we do so often? We say, well, I'm going to follow my heart. Have you ever heard that said before? I'm going to follow my heart. That funny feeling in my stomach, I don't know if it's Taco Bell I ate earlier or if it's the Holy Spirit working, right? No, it's probably not. (laughs) We say that our hearts are the ones that that we should lead and follow after. Follow after your heart, but yet Jeremiah 17 says our hearts are desperately sick. Who can understand it? We lean so heavily on things that don't honor or even acknowledge God in our lives. We're led by the things of this world, but we're not led by the things of Christ. And as we're going to see today, it's one of those things that we need to turn ourselves around and get back on the right trail. Look again with me in verse 1. It's the Psalm of David. King David writes this in verse 1. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, I think it makes a lot of sense. Let's just stay right here for a second because this is a really important passage in the entire uh, Psalm chapter 23. Talking about the Lord is my shepherd, I'm sure that made a lot of sense to King David, right? David was a shepherd when he was younger, of course. But, you know, what's amazing is that today, I'm not sure, just by a show of hands in here, who all knows what a shepherd is? I hope everybody. But how many of you know a shepherd? That's a better question. Maybe some of us, some of us. (laughs) Got some confident answers here. I'll tell you what, I don't know many shepherds. And honestly, uh... I'm not really a city boy. I'm from Trenton, Missouri. That's not really a city. <laughs> it's kind of like Bethany. I don't know a lot of shepherds. I don't really know what shepherds do, so I had to kind of do a little bit of research here. But it's amazing because when you think about what a shepherd is, they lead and guide a flock of sheep, right, generally. They lead and guide a flock of sheep. A shepherd's job is to keep watch over his flock, to lead and to guide them, to make sure that they are well taken care of. Seems like a good thing to know when we talk about the Lord is our shepherd, Right? But you know what that means is that when we see in Scripture, and this is maybe something that you didn't know today, but a lot of times when we as people, God's people, are referred to in, the, in both Old Testament and New Testament, we're often referred to as sheep. Now, again, I'm no sheep expert, but what I do know of them, they are not the most intelligent animals. I believe we have a slide here that if we go to the next one. Yeah, that's about us, right? <laughs> sheep. We, uh, we are not naturally, well, sheep are not naturally the most intelligent creatures. They stink. Naturally, they're dirty because, you know, a lot of stuff gets on them, you know, and they're wool. And they wander off. They get lost. They get stuck in the most random of places. Exhibit A. I mean, come on. I'm sure many of you have seen the video where the sheep is jumping around, and then it gets stuck in the, the ditch, and then the, the farmer pulls him out, and then he jumps a couple more feet, lands right back in the ditch, right? That's, that's about what sheep do. Probably the most interesting, though, and probably the most relevant to what we're talking about today, though, is and something I didn't know until I was reading this, uh, is that sheep cannot be driven. They must be led. Do you know that? They can't be driven. They must be led. They follow naturally after a leader. And the reason why is simple. is because they can't make up their minds of where to go. That's why they get lost so much. As a shepherd moves forward before the flock, the sheep will naturally follow I think it's just funny for us as believers to think about how much we can relate to such a a silly animal. We too wander off. We too find ourselves in great trouble and are in great need. And most vividly, we need somebody to lead and guide our paths because a lot of times we don't realize how much we're led by other things that are not Christ. I think that's what King David had in mind when he pinned down the words, the Lord is my shepherd, 
I shall not want. With the Lord being our shepherd, there's a beauty in understanding that second part, that I shall not want. Some translations might say that I, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I have everything I need. What's beautiful about is when you accept Christ as Lord and he becomes your shepherd, you are part of his flock and you are following after him. Therefore, when you become a part of his flock, you then have everything you need. You don't have to chase after random things. Other things don't lead you anymore. Christ does. Therefore, nothing else will satisfy like Jesus does. It's a beautiful reality for us as believers. I love what my ESV study Bible says. It says that just as a shepherd cares for his sheep, so does the Lord Jesus care for his people, providing for their every need. He guides them. He directs them. And furthermore, he protects them from all harm. See, the concept of being of Christ being our shepherd and understanding that we indeed have all that we'll ever need when he is leading us to something we need to dwell on as a church today. So often we try to lead ourselves in our lives. We chase after these ambitions that don't honor Christ. They don't honor God. Maybe in your life you can think about a time where you followed after a dream that completely abandoned even the thought of God, let alone his plan. Maybe you think about a time in your life where a certain job came up in your midst and you're going to make a lot of money, but that would mean giving up your Sundays and your Wednesdays. Maybe you have something in your life. Maybe it is money. Maybe that's something that keeps you from God. You're chasing after this dream of being wealthy, but yet you abandon the fact that you have all that you need with Christ. See, this is the reality for a lot of people. Even some people in this room, I'm sure we've all faced that. But yet when we follow Christ, we know that we have all that we need and all that is around us is like Ecclesiastes says. I know I taught on this a couple months ago. It's vanity. All of these things of this world that are not centered around Christ are vanity. They are vanishing. And in 100 years, the things that you try so hard to build up, these empires in your life that you try to build up, they're going to be nothing. You can't take these things to heaven. These are important things to understand because when Christ becomes your shepherd, you begin to realize that you indeed have all that you need. And you can become content and that the things of this world will never bring full satisfaction. You know, I'm reminded a lot of the Apostle Paul, right? What a great example Paul was for the believers as he was writing to the church of Philippi. He said this. He says, if anyone thinks they have reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. See, Paul names all of his accolades, all these great things that he has. And I'm sure for somebody in that time, being a Roman citizen alone is a massive, massive thing to be able to have. But yet, here's what he has to say about all those things. In verse 7, he says, whatever gain I had, I count it loss as loss for the sake of Christ. Wow. He continues on in verse 8. He says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, which if you don't know, that means trash or garbage or, can I say it, poo, dung, as some translations could put it. He says, I count all those things as dung for the sake of knowing Jesus. These worldly things, they mean nothing to me anymore because I know Christ. He's my shepherd, and I'm following after him. I think also how he talks about imitating 
having others see him and imitating him as he's imitating Christ. This is the example that we see. To know that Christ, to know Christ is one thing, to make him Lord over your life is another. And this is why we see in Psalm 23, Jesus being this shepherd that we see. This Lord that we talk about in the Psalms, this is the Lord Jesus, and he's Lord over your life. He becomes your shepherd. He's leading you through this life. But David doesn't just stop there talking about the Lord is your shepherd, therefore you have everything you need. He explains what the beauty of being a believer is, and I want you to see that with me in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, makes me lead, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod, your staff. They comfort me. See, I love how David continues on what it means to be sheep following this great shepherd. See, when you accept Jesus as Lord, you start understanding the Arabs of your path. Sin is not the same as it was before you came to Christ. You start to be burdened by your sin. That's what the work of the Holy Spirit does within you. When you allow Christ to be your good shepherd, you start seeing the errors of the paths that you once walked. But you see that Jesus, when he leads us, he tells us, King David tells us about the beauty of following Christ. To know that he makes us lie down in green pastures. I also found this out about sheep. They don't like to lie down, I guess. Not naturally, at least. But that's what he does. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. To understand that is to understand that he gives us peace when peace seems so far away. When David writes that he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake is to exclaim that when he is, we make him our leader, he never will lead us astray. What a beautiful thing that is. And most importantly, when we see that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we have no fear of the thing that is around us, the evil that is surrounding us, because he protects us with his rod and his staff. Again, the illustration here is beautiful because shepherds at this time, obviously ravenous wolves would come and surround the sheep, and the shepherd would use these, this big staff and this staff to lead the sheep, but the rod to whack the wolves in the head. And keep them away at bay. It's a beautiful illustration of what our Lord Jesus does to us about the evil things surrounding us. He protects us. And most beautifully, what we see in this passage is he doesn't allow us to walk through the valley of the shadow of death by ourselves. No, he walks with us through it. Church, do you understand what that means today? Do you understand the beauty that your God is not a distant God? He is close. He is close to you. He's walking with you through these things. Maybe you're experiencing darkness in your life today. Maybe you're going through a season of life of trial and tragedy. To see this passage is to understand that not only is he, Jesus leading you, and he doesn't just stop at the top of the mountain and go around and let you walk through it. He walks through it with you. That's the kind of God he is. He's not a far God. He's a near God. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, I got to thinking another hiking story. <laughs> Pastor Isaac mentioned a hiking story last week, so I feel like I'm just copying him today. But I was thinking about one time, my friend Chris and I, uh, we were out fishing at Crowder State Park in Trenton. And uh, it was getting later in the evening during the summer. And uh, it was about 5 o'clock at that point. Uh, we already lost all of our lures in the trees. Uh, I, I'll tell you this much, I'm a better fisher of man than a fisher of fish. 
Um, really bad <laughs> at fishing. I've had a lot of people ask me that. I wear a Bass Pro Shop hat. No, I'm not a fisherman, I promise. Uh, I just like wearing it. But we finished up. We, we had no more lures. We were kind of bored. And there's some trails that kind of branch off in Crowder. And we decided to, to go, uh, go down one. Of course, it's getting later in the evening. We probably shouldn't have done it, but we did. We figured it's just a short two-mile trail. It, it'd be a quick, quick one. Uh, so we picked and we started walking, and uh, as we were walking on this trail, we stopped a lot, a lot along the way. We are kind of dragging our feet a bit, and as time started passing, uh, this great thing called darkness started kind of coming over while we were still in the woods, and we were not doing well. <laughs> of course, you hear a lot of coyotes howling in the, in the background. Our flashlights were just our cell phones, which we just had one. I think Chris's phone was dead, so it was just mine, and we're just, okay, where's the trail at? Uh, I don't know where the trail went. <laughs> And the, it was before we knew it, we looked at our clocks, it was 8.30 at that point. Now, how that happened, I don't know. But park closed at 9. It's 8.30. It's pitch black. We only have our flashlights. And the gate closes in about 30 minutes. We are in trouble. <laughs> but it was amazing because it was pitch black. It, we only had our cell phone lights to guide us. But, you know, I got to thinking about that. I was so afraid. But yet that little light that we had gave us so much comfort to know that we weren't going to fall off the trail. And, you know, that's amazing because that's exactly the illustration of our Lord Jesus. He gives us that light and he guides us through this path, though it's so dark around us, though these wolves, which for us it was coyotes, are all around us. We felt safe with that light. And just like Lord Jesus guides us through this life, he walks with us through the valley. It's a beautiful illustration of Christ. We see the heart of Christ through this psalm. We see the joy that it is to know when we accept Christ as Lord, we get the honor of being sheep in his flock. He becoming our shepherd. It's a joyful thing. Because you know this world around us, it's a dark place. Ravenous wolves and lions are all around us, ready to devour us in an instant. But Jesus protects us through that by the work of the Holy Spirit. Follow with me now again. We're going to go to verse 5, which... David takes a little bit of a different route in this passage, in the next few verses, but yet it's still the same idea. Read with me here, if you would, verse 5 and 6. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Truly goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, as David, in the first few verses, was giving the illustration of Jesus as a shepherd, he now illustrates Jesus as the dinner host who has invited his special guests to sit at his table and to dwell in the house that he has forever. Let me ask you this question, church. How many of us have ever been invited to an event or a party of some kind and we just felt like we didn't fit in? Maybe you show up and you're underdressed. Or maybe you're overdressed. <laughs> I know that's about as awkward as being underdressed. Or maybe you're feeling like you just don't mesh with the rest of the guests at the party. You feel exclusive. Just don't feel like you fit in. And you know, I've heard it said before, and I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but I think it's a true fact. If you've never been to church before and you come for the first time, church can kind of feel like a party you've never, you don't feel invited to. I'm not saying our church. I pray that our church is never that. I hope that you feel welcome here today. But sometimes it feels like you're showing up to a party, a family gathering that you were not invited to. And you know what's amazing is that this illustration of Christ, when you accept him as Lord, 
He says, no, you're invited. Now, let's make something very clear. You're not worthy of the, the invite, but he invites you because of his grace to sit at the table. Because of Christ's shed blood on Calvary, you have an invitation given to you. And we're going to go more in depth in that in just a moment. But to go a step further, not only does he let you sit at the table with him, but he anoints your head with oil. And maybe for some of us in today's context, we're confused by that. A great resource that I use online is called gotquestions.org. It has some great uh, uh, explanations of uh, biblical concepts that maybe you might struggle with. This idea of anointing a guest's head with oil is actually an ancient custom of hospitality and respect shown to esteemed dinner guests uh, for the host to anoint his invitee's head with oil. This oil was mixed with fragrant perfumes to refresh and soothe weary travelers. And anointing somebody with oil is to show a favor to them. It, it's to show a grace to them. It's a special event. And we see, sure enough, that not only in verse 5, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, which, wow, what an illustration that is. He says, you anoint my head with oil, and because of that, my cup overflows. There's a beauty in that. We see the significance of this, that Christ is not only the good shepherd who invites you to follow him, but he's the host who invites you to sit at his table to be anointed as one of his followers. Better than this is the invitation to join him at his table, and that invitation extends for all eternity. In verse 6, that right, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, when you accept Jesus as Lord, it's not just a, a short-term event, if I can put it like that. Not only does this invitation extend for your lifetime, but for all eternity. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. When you turn from your sin and you start following the good shepherd that is Christ, you are no longer bound to the chains and shackles of sin. There's a beautiful thing in Galatians 5.1, a beautiful passage. It says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not again submit to a yoke of slavery. See, when you make Jesus your good shepherd, when you have him as the dinner guest, it's a beautiful thing. When you make him Lord over your life, you're no longer bound to the things that once held you. These awful things that are around you, they no longer have a hold on you. The sin that you once had no longer defines you. Christ does. And not only that, but we see a beautiful illustration again in Romans 8, 14. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs with God and fellow heirs with Christ provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. What an honor and a privilege it is to be able to be called children of God, co-heirs with Christ, to have a seat at his table and to dwell in his house for all eternity. What an amazing truth. But I think we, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that these invitations came at a cost. This was not freely given, it was bought with the blood of Christ for you to be able to be called children of God. And if you have not turned from your sin today, if you are continuing to live in your sin, you're continuing to be led by the things of this world, as we're going to see today in a few different passages, there's an unfortunate reality 
And I want to be clear with my words here that not all are invited to his table. All are invited, but not all accept, I should say. Let me be clear with that. If you have not accepted Christ as Lord, if he's not your good shepherd today, then you don't have a seat at the table. And I, as we're going to see in just a moment in these passages, you're going to understand why. We start with Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. If you could turn there with me. There's a great illustration of uh, what we call the parable of the wedding feast. Or excuse me, the great uh, banquet. I'll start in verse 16. It says this. But he said to them, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to one of those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what have you commanded has been done? And there still is room. The master said to the servants, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel those people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Do you see what this is saying, church? The invitation has been given, but have you accepted it? There will come a day where it will be too late to accept the invitation. For you to dwell in the house of the Lord for all eternity, you must accept that invitation first. It's an amazing, amazing thing to understand that we are indeed invited, but if you don't do anything with the invitation, you're not going to be able to dwell in the house of the Lord for all eternity, but instead you'll be departed from him for all eternity. What a terrible, terrible thing that is. We see again another illustration in the New Testament in John chapter 10, starting in verse 1, talking about Jesus being the true shepherd, the good shepherd. In verse 1 he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Let me read that again. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they what? They know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go and out and find a pasture. The thief only comes to break, uh, thief only comes to steal and to kill and destroy I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Let me read that again. I came that they may have life and have it, what? Abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Let me read that again. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock and one shepherd. There's a great, great challenge for us today, church. We understand the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We see through Psalm 23 the beauty of having Christ as our shepherd, the good shepherd. But do you see through these two passages that I just read that there's a challenge for you today? A challenge for you today. Two questions that I have for you to ponder, to think on today. Number one, do you know the sound of the Savior's voice? Do you know the sound of the shepherd's voice? Do you know Jesus' voice when he calls out to you? And number two, have you accepted the invitation to sit at his table for all eternity? As we finish today, I want to share a story that ties in with the final song that we're going to sing. What it looks like to know the voice of the Savior, to have peace like a river. This is an article from online that I found that tells this story beautifully about a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. Maybe some of you know him from the song that we're about to sing. He wrote it as well with my soul. He says this, he says, life can be so unpredictable. Joys and sorrows, beautiful blessings and distressing difficulties can come unexpectedly. Our life's dreams and plans can change in an instant. We all know this to be true. So how can we find peace amidst such turbulence? <clears throat> Horatio Spafford knew something about life's unexpected challenges. He was a successful attorney and a real estate investor who lost a fortune in the great Chicago fire of 1871. Around the same time, his beloved four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Thinking a vacation would do his family some good, he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to England, planning to join them after he finished some pressing business at home. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision and sunk. More than 200 people lost their lives, including all four of Horatio Spafford's precious daughters. However, his wife Anna survived the tragedy. Upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to her husband that began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England. At one point during his voyage, the captain of the ship, aware of the tragedy that struck the Spafford family, summoned Horatio to come and to tell him that they had now are passing over the spot where the shipwreck had occurred. And as Sir Horatio thought about his daughters, words of comfort and hope filled his heart and mind. He wrote them down and have since become a well-beloved hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. This is a life that is truly led by the good shepherd, to know the shepherd's voice, to have a seat at the table, to know these wonderful things, this joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. 
Horatio Spafford truly knew the sound of the Savior's voice, which brought him the utmost comfort. And so I tell you this to end today. The shepherd's voice is calling out to you. The table is indeed set, but don't lose the invitation. Don't wait until later to come to Christ. Come today. He is waiting for you. And so I want to finish with one final passage in Matthew 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'll be up here praying with you today if you need prayer. I pray today that you hear the sound of the shepherd's voice calling to you. No longer should you lead, have other things in your life leading you, but have Christ lead you in him alone. And find the beauty that is following Jesus, the good shepherd, and to know that because of that, the invitation is set, the table is prepared, come have a seat, and dine with him for all eternity. Amen? Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.